Well, real quick, there's a couple of things that I want to say before we jump into today's message. Uh, first of all, if you look around the room or the campus this morning as you're leaving or as you came in, you notice there were a lot of red shirts. Uh, these red shirts are people who are volunteering their time and their energy uh, to serve and to make it possible for us to have a worship experience each week. We call them Team Synergy. And a couple of things I want you to know about Team Synergy. Uh, number one, um, I'm extremely grateful for them because without Team Synergy, it would not be possible for us to have church, especially church that meets in a gym that has to be set up and torn down every week. So because we appreciate Team Synergy so much and because they give so much of their energy and effort to make it possible for us to meet each week, a couple of times a year, we take a Sunday off just to honor them with a day off so that they can rest and spend quality time with family and friends um, and get some much needed rest as we move forward into the semester. So next Sunday, is one of those Sundays where we will not be having worship experiences. Uh, so if you show up next Sunday, uh, pray for us uh, as we all are going to be scattered in different places. Um, but just wanted you to know that there's no worship experience. Um, it's Labor Day weekend, and so we encourage you to spend time with family, friends. And if, if you want to be in church, uh, there's lots of great churches in the area that we encourage you uh, to go and worship with. And then we hope to see you back September 7th. Uh, the second thing that I want to say is um, if if you're interested in serving on Team Synergy, if maybe something about your experience here today leads you to want to be a part of what we're doing, there's no greater way for you to be involved uh, in the work of God here at Synergy Church specifically than to join Team Synergy. We kind of look at it as a first step. Um, it's where you're going to meet people and form the most relationships, and it's where you're going to feel um, a tangible impact of your life making a difference in the lives of others. Uh, tonight at 5 o'clock, we're offering the fourth class in what we call the Synergy Growth Track. It's called Team Synergy 401, and it's all about Team Synergy and helping you understand kind of an orientation and training process for you to be part of serving. And so you're all invited to that. If you haven't attended, we would love the opportunity to share more information with you so that you can get involved. Um, so thank you to Team Synergy, and thank you to those of you who are going to join Team Synergy, and um, I love my church. So there, I've said it. We're in week number four of a series called No, No Parenting. And uh, just to recap a little bit, this series is all about us pointing the finger back at ourselves as parents and pointing out some mistakes that we make. Uh, we're infamous for saying no, no, specifically to younger children and sometimes even older children. Uh, but no one really says no, no to us parents. If we're honest with one another, we think no, no to a lot of parents. And we see parents interact with their kids and we're like, oh, I just want to strangle you. Like, you shouldn't do that. You can't do that. But sometimes it's hard for us to see the mistakes in our own lives. And so this series is just kind of an introspective opportunity for us to look at ourselves and ask the question, are we making some mistakes that are going to hinder our kids from becoming all that we want them to become uh, and serving their purpose in this life. Now, if you're here and you're not a parent and you hope to be a parent, we hope that you can kind of file this away and it'll be helpful for you in the future and you'll avoid some mistakes that those of us who are parents have already made. Um, and if you're a student and you have parents, uh, I hope that this series will be helpful in helping you understand the challenges of parenting and some perspective from a parent's side as to why they do and say some things that may not seem fair or may not seem beneficial in the moments. And so uh, maybe it'll kind of give you a glimpse into the world of parenting and you can store it away as well as hopefully you'll have kids one day. Uh, so let me take a few moments and review the last couple of weeks with us. In week number one, uh, we said that it was a no-no uh, preparing the path for your child rather than preparing your child for the path. 
So many times as parents, we want to clear the way for our kids to have easy, enjoyable, happy lives, and we want to make life easy for them. But in so doing it, we forget and we fail to prepare our children for the path that they're going to walk one day. And there's going to come a day in all of our lives when no one clears the path for us any longer. And if we're not prepared for the path ahead of us, it's going to be a difficult, difficult journey. Uh, The second week, we said that lying about your child's potential, rather than developing their true potential, is a no-no. That it's easy for us to get so engrossed in how incredible and awesome our kids are, that we think and affirm them more than probably they deserve. We tell them they're better at things than they really are, and we tell them that we're proud of them for things that may not deserve um, affirmation. And in so doing, we kind of handicap them for the future because, again, there's going to come a day where they're going to enter the world as adults, and uh, no one's going to be over-affirming them, and they're going to realize that, hey, there's a lot of other people in this world that were just as awesome as my parents told me that I was, and they're going to have a hard time coping. And then last week, uh, we came back with, Um, What I think is uh, probably the biggest no-no that most of us parents uh, are inclined to make, uh, and that's when we say that that projecting your life on your child rather than modeling values for your child is a no-no. And you remember we said that our children aren't blank canvases for us to create our own masterpieces that we're proud of and that we can show off. That our goal isn't to make them who we wish we were or who we used to be, but our goal is to model values for them that will leave a lasting impression and pillars for them to build boundaries in their lives as they enter their adult years. Um, and today, we're going to uh, we're going to share a no-no that, on a surface level, doesn't seem like a huge mistake, and it's uh, it's a no-no that we're all guilty of as parents. No matter how strict you are as a parent or how lenient you are as a parent, no matter um, how your intentions are great and you love your kids so much, we have a tendency to lean towards this no-no, and it's something that we have to constantly pull away from and reject so that we aren't guilty of hindering our kids by making this huge mistake. Before I share it with you, let me remind you that the content from this series is coming from a book called 12 Huge Mistakes That Parents Can Avoid. It's uh, written by Dr. Tim Elmore. If you're a parent, I strongly suggest you get this book, 12 Huge Mistakes Parents Can Avoid by Dr. Tim Elmore. Um, It's life-changing as far as your relationship with your kid and will help you tremendously in your life as a parent. So let me share with you uh, this fourth no-no. Being inconsistent with your child rather than following through with your plan is a huge no-no when it comes to parenting. Being inconsistent with your child rather than following through with your plan is a massive mistake. And it's a mistake that we don't always recognize as a mistake, but it's a mistake that has lasting negative consequences on our kids. You say, okay, so what do you mean being inconsistent with your children rather than following through with your plan? Let me give you some examples as, as we jump into this. Have you ever been inconsistent with your child's bedtime? Even when they're older, but specifically when they're younger, uh, there comes a moment where you have this bedtime. You've set this bedtime in stone. You've told your kids you're going to bed at 8 o'clock 
That's your bedtime. That's when you're going to get into bed. And it comes 8 o'clock, and instead of just forcing our kids to go to bed like we said we would, they have all these excuses that they bring to us, and they're all so appealing to us. And they say, please, can I just, can I just have a little, little glass of water? It's all I want. And then they, go to, and then they say, oh, I've got to go to the bathroom. And then they come out and they say, oh, I need to go do this. And before we know it, we look down and it's like 8.20. And we're like, we just let our kids like manipulate us for 20 minutes without making them go to bed. It's an inconsistency based on something that we had planned. And so rather than following through with our plan, we were inconsistent. What about um, dinner time? Maybe, maybe like our kids, you've had kids that don't eat well sometimes when it comes to dinner. And, and mom or dad uh, has prepared a meal and they've worked hard. They've had a long day and they've prepared a meal and they've set it before the kids and the kids don't particularly love what the meal is and they say, I just, I'm just not really, I don't, I don't want to eat, I don't want it, can I just go play? And we, we personally as a family uh, value dinner. We, we like to sit and eat as a family, and so our son Landon loves to try to get out of dinner time and go play, uh, go outside, whatever that looks like. And, and so we have to like say, no, you're going to sit here. If you don't want to eat, that's your choice. Um, but what he does is, while he doesn't eat, a, a couple hours later, when it gets time to go to bed, he starts saying, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I, I want a snack. I want some snack. And if we're not careful... Our kid will eat snack food and a little bit of meal rather than eating meals and a little bit of snack. And so we have this plan, yet sometimes we find ourselves inconsistent. And so we've had to lately start saying, you know what, if you don't eat your meal, there are no snacks. And it's difficult to put a kid to bed when he says he's hungry. But it teaches them a lesson when you say, you remember the conversation we had at the dinner table? We told you if you didn't eat your dinner then you weren't going to get a snack. Yes, sir, I remember that. Now, do you realize why you should eat your dinner? Yes, sir. And sometimes he does better and sometimes he doesn't, but we're still working on that. (laughs) Bath time. Fortunately, our kids love the bath, but some kids, they don't want to take baths. Especially when they get into middle school. I remember those years myself. You have to force your kid to take a bath and be clean. They don't understand the, uh, the whole cleanliness thing tv shows what can a kid watch what can can a kid not watch these are decisions that parents have to make and when when kids start watching things that they're told not to watch do you follow through or do you let them talk you into it how much television do you allow your kids to watch you should have a plan for that You should have some type of limit on your kids vegging out in front of a television. And when they say they want to watch more television than you've told them they should, are you consistent in enforcing those standards in their lives? When they get older, you're going to deal with curfews. What time should they be in? And when they show up five minutes late and they have the excuses, how do you interact with them? What's that look like? Are they constantly late? Are they constantly calling and asking for extended curfews? Are you constantly giving them extended curfews? Is there consistency in your plan? How about asking one parent and not getting an answer that they want, and then they go and ask a different parent? Has that ever happened to you? 
Even with young kids now, we're learning to ask a question and return to questions. And I'll say to my son, have you asked your mother about this already? Because before that, he would get an answer he didn't want, then he would come to me, and I would give him an answer that he wanted, and he would do it, and Lindsay would come, and she would say, you know, I told you not to do that, and he would get in trouble, and I would be like, no, 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 I told him he could do it. And she was like, well, why are you telling him he can do something I told him he can't do? And vice versa, it happens. And there's this inconsistency in a plan because of a lack of communication, and kids pick up on that. Uh, they thrive on that. They, they try to figure out ways to manipulate things to get what they want, and, and as parents, it doesn't seem too harmful. It doesn't seem like a big deal. How about, how about any of you ever had a conversation, you're going to a grocery store to get just a few things, and you have a conversation with your kid before you go in, you know, we're getting, we're getting milk, we're getting bread, we're getting eggs, and we're getting ice cream. That's all we're going to get. And you get up to the cash register, and they know, they know that you do not want to be embarrassed at the cash register in front of people. And so they wait till that last moment where you're getting ready to check out, and they start saying, candy bar, I want candy bar. And you're like, no, son. Remember, we came for milk, came for bread, for eggs, for ice cream. See, we got them right here in the cart. That's all we're getting. No, but I want candy bar. And they start doing the yelling thing, and they start standing up and stomping. And what's it easy for us to do? Okay, let's not make it a disturbance. Here's a candy bar. Just hush right now so I don't have to kill you when we get home. And what are we doing? We're being inconsistent with a plan. Instead of following through with it. How about, how about, have you ever had a kid come to you and say, well, how come you get to do something, but I don't get to? Has everyone asked? How come you get to sit at the couch and eat, but I have to go to the table? And so I'm finding more and more lately that it's inconsistent for me to set rules that don't align with my expectations for kids, and so it's not difficult for me to go eat at the table when we're having snacks or whatever. And we have all these temptations to become inconsistent with the plan that we have for parenting. And today, I don't want to talk so much about the plan that you should have. You should all have a plan, but I want to talk with us about the importance of being consistent, that there is a stable, consistent environment in which your kids can learn to thrive because they know what's expected of them and they know what to expect. And they're not able to manipulate things to get what they want because in the end, that's actually not a great thing for your kid and it's not actually what they want at the end of the day. Here, here's a principle for you. When we're inconsistent as parents, when we're inconsistent as parents, we send mixed signals to our kids and we breed insecurity and instability in their lives. Do you know that kids actually need security? They need stability in order to thrive. That when we send mixed signals and we say things that we don't enforce, that it confuses their minds. And they're like, well, I thought that they said this, but they don't do that, so maybe rules don't really matter. And they become unstable. And then we find kids lashing out in public places or at schools because they don't understand the importance of rules being followed through with. And the consistency in life hasn't been there. And so it's easy for them to become insecure and think, you know, well, I don't know what's expected of me because they say one thing and they, they do another. 
Um, there's some parenting experts that I read. Uh, their names are Jesse Rutherford and Kathleen Nickerson, and they, they wrote about this topic, and here's a, a statement that they made. They said, no matter how well you've selected your rules, how much you praise your kids, or how effectively you discipline them, you must be consistent or your efforts will be in vain and your household will still be in crisis. Kids need consistency to get the message because our actions speak louder than our words. It's a part of how they're wired. Kids gravitate more towards examples than they do words. And so just because we say things, if we don't enforce them, if we don't reinforce them, if we don't follow through with them, if we don't show the importance of the things we say, then what we say becomes less relevant in their lives. And they tend to model after behavior that they see. And if the behavior that they see is inconsistent, then their lives are going to become inconsistent. So I want to share with you uh, a couple of reasons for inconsistency in the lives of parents, uh, things that I'm guilty of, things that potentially you're guilty of that we can kind of look out for and hopefully steer away from and become more inconsistent in our parenting. Here's, here's the first reason that I think that we're inconsistent with our kids. Um, I think that sometimes we lack a decision-making compass. We lack a decision-making compass. It's hard to reinforce decisions that haven't been made in advance. I don't know if that makes sense. Sometimes, sometimes I think it's easy for us as parents to kind of play defense rather than play offense. If you're familiar with sports, you know that defense is, is the aspect of a game where you react to your opponent. And whatever they're trying to do to score... You try to stop them from doing it. And so rather than having a plan, we just kind of go through life with our kids and we just react and we say, oh, well, they're doing this, and so how should I do that? And our decision-making becomes inconsistent because sometimes we'll respond harshly out of frustration for things. And some days maybe we're in a better mood and, and they do things that deserve more harshness and we respond in love and caring and act as if it's not a big deal. And we don't have a decision-making compass, and that leaves us vulnerable to our kids. It's been said that if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. And when it comes to parenting, this is fully true. That when we fail to have a plan, have a system in place to, to have a compass by which we make decisions, to say this is home base and, and this is where we start and work from, and everything comes back to home base, if we fail to have that, then we'll be all over the place when it comes to parenting. And our kids will just be in turmoil because they won't understand what's expected of them. And our lack of a decision-making plan leads to poor decision-making in our kids because that's what we model for them. And they're not going to have stability that they need. And so we've got to, if we want to be more consistent, develop a decision-making compass. We've got to come up with a plan. We've got to figure out how is it that we want to offensively, with the plan, go about raising our kids. It requires conversations between parents. It requires conversations with kids. It requires 
standards being set and rules being enforced. It requires uh, an understanding of things that could happen before they happen so that when they happen, you know how you're going to respond. The second reason that I think that we become inconsistent as parents is because we're used to delegating to professionals. We're used to delegating to professionals. We, we allow professionals to, to cook for us. We allow professionals to provide services for us that once weren't provided. We have people who cut our yards for us. We have people who uh, clean our homes for us. We have people who provide meals for us. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But it does become wrong when we take that same approach with raising our kids. And when we expect teachers and coaches and church leaders to have a greater impact in the life of our kid than we desire to have, that becomes a mistake. And the reason we can become so inconsistent is because we're expecting someone else to do the job that is somewhat difficult for us to do, and we would rather not have to deal with it. And so we allow counselors and professionals we expect them to do things that we should be doing ourselves and so we wonder we have conversations with teachers like well you know why is my kid x why why is my kid doing this like shouldn't you be doing something so that my kid's not doing this I was a student pastor for eight years, and I can't tell you how many conversations that I had with parents who would come to me and say, you know, my kid's struggling with this and they're struggling with that. You know, what are you going to do to help them get past this? They were always shocked when I said, I'm not going to do anything to help your kid get past this, but I, I would encourage you strongly to begin to interact with your kid and address this issue. I don't know if you know this, but it's your God-given responsibility to teach and train your kids. My role as a church leader is to come alongside you and help reinforce those things. It's not to do your job for you. So teachers and coaches and church, they, they don't raise our kids. They're to assist us in our kids, but we're inconsistent when we expect them to do those things. The third reason that we're inconsistent is because we're simply not on the same page. We're not on the same page as parents. Moms and dads aren't on the same page. Parents and grandparents aren't on the same page. Aunts and uncles who watch our kids aren't on the same page. People close to us who have influence in the lives of our kids um, aren't on the same page when it comes to raising our kids. And when, without a, a united front, parenting gets, it gets undermined. So when a kid knows that they can get away with more when they go to grandparents' house and they're constantly saying, I want to go to grandparents' house. I want to go to grandparents' house. I don't want to stay here. I want to go to grandparents' house. What are they saying? They're saying, they treat me differently than you treat me and I like the way they treat me better, so I want to go there. And you see how it can drive a wedge into the lives of parents with their kids when there's inconsistency? When sometimes maybe a mom is, is more disciplinarian than a dad or sometimes a dad is more disciplinarian than a mom and a kid figures that out they understand you know if I can just talk to mom you know I can get out of this punishment you know and, and she'll excuse it and she'll talk to dad for me or or the other way around 
And when we fail to create a united front with our approach to our kids, it leads to inconsistency. And they become less stable for life. They become less secure for life. They feel, they feel less safe in life because there's inconsistency. And then the last reason, uh, probably the reason that uh, I, I hate to admit is, is one of the reasons I'm probably more inconsistent than I would want to be is because we just have wrong priorities. We just have wrong priorities when it comes to parenting. Sometimes, you know, bringing work home seems more important than having conversations with kids that we should be having. Sometimes watching a game is like so much more important than dealing with kids who are fighting or who need some stability. And I began to notice lately that my kids, they notice when my attention isn't on them. And it can't always be on them, but they notice when I'm choosing things over them. When I'm on my phone or I'm watching something on the television or I'm doing something around the house that is work-related that they can't help with. And it's like they cry out to be part of what I'm doing, and I'm just like, just, I'll be done in a second. Just leave me alone. Life is tough. We become weary and worn out. We have bad days, and we come home to our families, and we're exhausted. Life's been busy. It's been a hectic week. And the last thing we want to do is have difficult conversations and repeat and reinforce and follow through with decisions that we've made in the past in regards to our kids because it's difficult and it's draining and it requires attention from us. And so it's easy just to overlook some things that you wouldn't overlook on a normal day or you'll, you'll excuse behavior that you wouldn't excuse on a normal day. And we have to, as parents, just say, when I'm with my kids, they need my priority to be on their future as much as possible. And there's, there's always things that are important in moments. But kids understand when they're not your priority. And it creates an inconsistent life for them. So I want to I give you four questions to ask, four questions that... I think will help you as a parent become more consistent with the plan that you have for your kids. And uh, it's four questions that uh, I've had to be honest with myself and uh, not love the answers to some of these questions. But here's the first question. Um, Where do I need to be more clear with my kids? Where do I need to be more clear with my kids? Like, what do I find myself getting frustrated with my kids about that I haven't given them clear expectations where, where there's just them, this ambiguous behavioral system that I haven't addressed because it would require time and energy and effort to address and I keep getting frustrated and I just need to sit down with my kids and say listen let, let me clear some things up let me make this crystal clear for you this is what I expect of you, and these are the rules. These are, these are, this is the plan. 
And this is an ongoing conversation that we always have with our kids as they grow older and they age and their stage of life changes and they go through different life events. So we have to constantly reinforce the things that we need to most, be most clear about with our kids. The second question is, where do I need to be more transparent? Where do I need to be more clear? Where do I need to be more transparent? Our vulnerability invites our kids into a safe environment which fosters validation for them. When's the last time you went to your kid and said, you know what? I yelled at you. I talked to you in a way that I shouldn't have. And you know what? Daddy was wrong. I was wrong. I, I thought you did something that you didn't do, and I now know that I was wrong, and I just want you to know I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Daddy made a mistake. Mommy made a mistake, and I did something that I should not have done. I shouldn't have talked to you that way. I shouldn't have treated you that way. I shouldn't have punished you that way. I shouldn't have assumed the worst about you. I should have given you a chance to speak. I should have been slower to speak and quicker to listen, as James encourages us to be. And when we begin to be transparent with our kids, listen, there's no hidden agenda. I'm not trying to get more out of life from you. I'm not trying to make you some slave for me to give me what I want in life. This is why I say some things, and this is where I've fallen short in your life. That helps your kids understand that they're not living in this perfect world, and they're the only one that screws up. They're not living in this, this globe of, I'm the only one that makes mistakes. But they begin to see, hey, I can be myself. I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not because mom and dad, they're just like me. And our transparency is huge in helping us become more consistent. Where do I need, number three, where do I need to provide better boundaries? We talked last week about our responsibility to build fences as parents and eventually tear those fences down, leaving pillars so that our kids can build their own fences and boundaries for life. But where do we now in the life of our kids need to provide better boundaries? I, I, don't, want, I don't want you to think of boundaries as something negative for your kids. I know when I was a kid, I thought rules and boundaries were something negative they were meant to make my life miserable and keep me from experiencing the best that I could and keep me happy. And so my parents just wanted to kind of keep me from getting a big head. And so they made these rules for me that made my life miserable. That's kind of how I thought rules went in our house. And I don't want us as parents to think of rules so negatively, but rather I think that we should think of, of, of rules and boundaries as more of more, more train tracks instead of roadmaps. Train tracks instead of roadmaps. Instead of being confusing and just saying, hey, here's a map, here's a list of rules, you know, figure out what you're supposed to do and not supposed to do, and, and when you make a wrong turn, I'll be here to tell you you made a wrong turn. We need to think of our boundaries as train tracks. They're parameters that guide our kids and our goal isn't to slow our kids down from moving. It's just to keep them focused on moving in the right direction. And if we have proper boundaries in their lives, then they won't feel as though they can't move and they're held back in life, but they'll just feel like they're being guided. 
And those trains always stay on those tracks. And the tracks maneuver where they want the train to go. The train doesn't have the flexibility to, to make detours and decisions as far as where they're going, but they're being guided by these tracks. And that's the way our boundaries should be for our kids, is we want to help steer them in the right directions. Sometimes it's important for us to even fuel them to go faster. But as long as we have these tracks in their lives that lead them where we want them to go, those tracks are our consistencies in their lives. And we have to reinforce them, and we have to keep making sure that we're following through with those plans. And then lastly, uh, it's just a, a general question in regards to consistency. Where can I be more consistent? Where do I need to be more consistent? It's not about how strict you are. Now, I've, met, I've met kids whose parents were super strict. My parents were pretty strict. And I've met, I've met parents who weren't strict at all. They're very lenient. Their kids did things that my parents would never let me do. Okay? I'm not telling you like how to raise your kids. I'm not telling you what rules you should set. Of course, I've got opinions, uh, but I don't want to use this opportunity to share with you my opinions on your parenting style. It's not about being more strict with your kids or more harsh with your kids or more disciplined with your kids. It's about being more consistent. It's about being more consistent with them. I believe that your plan is not as important as the consistency of your plan. Let me help you look at it this way. Uh, let's say that you wanted to lose some weight. Okay? Well, let's say that you wanted to lose, you know, 10, 15 pounds. Um, there's a lot of different plans for you to lose weight, right? Would you agree with that? I mean, there's, there's you know, beach body type plans and workouts. There's different diets that you can go on. Uh, there's, there's professional people that you can go to that can prescribe things to you to help you lose weight. Okay, different plans, okay? No one's saying this is the right plan and those plans don't work because they've all been proven to work. People have different results. People lose weight on lots of different plans, right? But no plan will work to lose weight if you don't follow it. Like if you say you're going to follow this diet and you eat things that aren't part of the diet and you don't lose weight, you can't say, you know, that, that diet doesn't work. No, you didn't follow the plan. Follow the plan. You've got your training for some event. You've got different workout plans. People do different things to prepare their bodies for certain events. It's not about which plan's right. It's about being consistent with the plan. People have great results on different plans. But if you don't follow a plan consistently, you're not going to get the results that you want. There's different schedules. I'm not here to tell you what time your kids need to be in the bed. But there should be some consistency with your schedules. People have great results with different schedules, but you have to be consistent with the plan. So here's what I want to end us with. I want to end our time together with a challenge. Um, likely you have seen, if you're on social media at all, that there is uh, an ice bucket challenge for ALS to... to to raise awareness uh, for Lou Gehrig's disease, to raise money uh, for ALS, to help people understand the devastation that this disease causes. And so people are challenging one another and they're dumping ice buckets on their heads and they're posting everywhere. 
I don't want to challenge you to raise awareness for a cause this morning. But here's what I want to challenge you with. I want to challenge you with what I'm calling the 11-1 consistency challenge. The 11-1 consistency challenge. And I want to read a verse of scripture to you. It's 1 Corinthians 11-1. It's a passage of scripture that I try to live by. It's kind of one of my life verses that I ascertain to to model, uh, and I don't always get it right, but it was written by a man named Paul to a church in Corinth. Um, and this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I want to consistently follow the example of Christ so that I can consistently be a model for you specifically to my kids. And here's my challenge to you. Here's my challenge to you. Is I want you to sit down with your children. And I want you to have a conversation. I don't care how old they are. They're still living in your home. I want you to sit down with your kids. And I want you to just, I'm challenging you to do this. Say, I want to be more consistent for you and the way I want to be more consistent for you isn't by mandating more rules and uh, restrictions in your life, but I want to become more consistent myself to show you the importance of consistency. I think sometimes change starts with us, and we want things for our kids, and we try to do things to our kids to get results from our kids, but sometimes we have to start with ourselves. And if we'll become more consistent, then we can model consistency for our kids, and then they'll follow us. Actions are more caught than taught. And so here's, here's three areas that I want to challenge you to become more consistent. I want you to become more consistent specifically in the life of your kids with your behavior, with my behavior. That the things I say to my kids line up with my lifestyle. I want us to end this do as I say and not as I do leadership when it comes to our kids. I've been thinking lately um, about Words that I say that really aren't that big a deal, but I expect my kids not to say them as four-year-olds. And so I would say, you know, we don't, we don't say the word stupid. And then when he hears me say the word stupid, he says, Daddy, we're not supposed to say that. I know, I know, I'm so sorry. I want to stop saying things that I expect my kids not to say. And you say, well, that's not a big deal. And I agree on some level it's not a big deal. But it provides a consistent environment for our kids when our behavior matches our plan. Does that make sense? And if we can become more consistent in our behavior and model an example for them that we're following and pursuing, who I think should be Jesus Christ, who was the only perfect person ever to live, God's Son sent to show us an example. If we can emulate and follow His example for us, then we'll leave an example for our kids to follow that's worth following, that will always be consistent. And secondly, I want us to become more consistent in our priorities. I want us to become present in the lives of our kids. Not just in the same room, not just in the same house, not just in the same family by default, but I want us to become more present in their lives. That they would know that they are a priority to us. That there aren't things that are more important to them in life that they just kind of get the backseat to. But they understand the importance of the relationship that we have.
And obviously our priorities should reflect that that's been modeled to us in Scripture by Christ. And so the priorities that we set for the trajectory of our life will then be reflected on our kids. And lastly, I want us to become more consistent in our walks with Christ. I think that there is no more consistent opportunity that we have to have an impact on our kids than to model Christian behavior, the Christian lifestyle. Now, I realize that some of you here this morning, you may not call yourself a Christian. You may not call yourself a follower of Jesus. And so uh, this is something that you're going to have to wrestle with and uh, decide for yourself if this is something that you want to adopt. But here's, here's my plea to you. If our walk with Christ is as consistent as we expect our behavior, the behavior of our kids to be, then the behavior of our kids will become more consistent because they'll follow the example that's being set for them. I think a relationship with Christ is a starting point for so many great things in life. If you have a great relationship with Christ, your finances will be in better order. If you have a great relationship with Christ, your marriage will be in better order. If you have a great relationship with Christ, your job will be more in order in your life. And if you have a great relationship with Christ, your relationship with your kids will be more in order. I remember a vast difference in the life of my parents after they committed their lives to Christ when I was about five or six years old. And our family changed because of that relationship with Jesus. My dad, he would leave and he would be gone for days and sometimes weeks. He loved to hunt when I was real little and he would go with his buddies and they would go off on these trips on the weekends and I wouldn't see much of him. We used to go to the lake a lot. I remember that. We had friends that lived on the lake and they had a houseboat and we would go and you know, go out on the lake all weekend long. My uncle had a boat. You know, I learned to kneeboard as like a little five and six year old. They would like barely pull me through the water. And I, I just remember when my parents made a decision to follow Jesus wholeheartedly that there was more structure in my life. Church became a priority. My parents began to talk to us differently. They talked to each other differently. And there was just a different environment in which I was being raised in. And I think a lot of it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we've been talking the last four weeks about how to raise kids, not, not, not that are just good kids, not that are well-behaved, but kids who are prepared when they enter their adult lives to be successful in the purpose for which they were designed by Creator God here in this earth. And if we, can, if we can set them up to be successful in pursuing the purposes that God has for them in this life, then we can be proud of that as parents. So, 11-1 Consistency Challenge. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I want you to sit down with your kids and say, I'm going to do my best to model Christian behavior. And I want you to trust me enough that you'll be willing to follow me. I'm going to be consistent in the things I expect of you. I'm going to model them for you. And I want you to understand the importance of living a life that honors God. That's my challenge for you with your priorities 
with everything that you do in this life, with your behavior and with your walk with Christ, become more consistent and you'll see a difference in the lives of your kids. Let me close this out with prayer. Father, I pray blessings on every parent here. I pray that they would experience the freedom of seeing their children walk and step into the purpose that you have for them in this life. I pray that they will raise children who fear God and live for your glory. And I pray that we will become more consistent, even in things that seem insignificant now, that we'll create stable environments for our kids that help them to continue to grow in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Pray for every student here today, Lord, that their lives would become more consistent as well, that they would begin to see the importance of consistency and begin to embrace it rather than resist it. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would become more consistent in our walk with you. And I pray blessings on all of us here. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, amen.